listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 79 and day 80 of our oral <clears throat> transmission, our oral, uh, what do you call it? What's my, my phrase? I just, I know I went blank. Tradition? Yeah, the oral tradition. We are passing the oral tradition down by talking about the Bible in its entirety, going day by day. So day 79 and day 80. We are at 40 episodes. That's crazy. And uh, what book are we in today for the Old Testament? Old Testament. We are in the book of Numbers, chapter 9, verse 15, through chapter 13, verse 25. We do hit some blues today but before we get there there's some amazing highs yeah or the opposite of blues <clears throat> and and it begins with this whole idea of the cloud covering the tabernacle and the tent of meeting yes and the fire at night we've mentioned it we've kind of marveled at it but in numbers chapter 9 um, the account goes on to talk about how amazing this really is like, this is a way that God communicates to the whole nation. Yeah, instead of just to Moses Not through the anybody. Priest. It's yeah, to it's them. To everyone who has eyes. And so what <clears> hit <throat> me was, I always refer, and I always have, until now I'm going to change, that the great miracle in the wilderness was manna mm-hmm. and water. But that's because my perspective is always driven by my own cravings and Mm -hmm. my own uh insecurity and so even the idea that i would have food like food is the greatest miracle that happened in the wilderness is from a perspective of i'm scared about food but as you read this you realize what's more amazing than manna is god's physical manifestation his presence with his people that he's going to be there day in and day out in a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night like he's with them. That should be more amazing than even the bread. That the God of yes, the universe yes, is there. Is. And the only time he moves is when it's time for you to move. So if he rises up from the tabernacle, that's the word of God to everybody whose camps are facing the tabernacle, that it is time to move. And, and that's what happens, right? Yeah. Uh, so previously they were celebrating Passover. There was even like a little special... Uh, allotment made for the people who were unable to celebrate the first one or in the second month you'll have another one and so it is kind of cool that the cloud moves finally and sets out a week after that second festival so like God still gave them the time to celebrate the, the second Passover for the people who were unclean for the first one and then gives them a week off and then it's like all right it's time to You've been around this mountain for a year, at least, like around a year. Yeah. You've established your communities and your homes, but it's time to move on. I have something better for you. Oh, yeah. And, and <clears throat> right before that, too, there's this thing about the silver trumpets. Yes. And so God said, make some trumpets. And this is another communication method. Like, if they're blown two at a time, the whole congregation mm-hmm. gathers. If there's an alarm, the east side will set out, like uh, the tribe of Judah and their, mm-hmm. their guys head out, or if it's two times, the south side. Anyway, it has a whole system, and only the priests blew the trumpets. And uh, and then I realized there is this idea, like whenever a king enters, 
mm. you know, historically, bah, 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 the king, mm-hmm. and how it's rooted, or at least maybe it was already happening, but it's rooted in, in these scriptures, in our scriptures, that God is kind of announced and gathers his people with the trump. And in First Thessalonians, there's the trump shall resound, you know, the trumpet mm-hmm. will blow at his return. And so the people of God respond to this communication system. It's kind of cool. Yeah, they gather together. I it, it is really cool. Yeah. I just never thought of it. And then but now it's year two, second month, after the provision for those who are unclean within the Passover, and it's time to move. And uh, and this is what before they move, you have Moses' father in law saying, All right, I'm heading out. I'm not gonna be with you. And I'm I'm recognizing there's a lot of mixed people with the Israelites. It's not just Israelites. Right. It's a lot of Egyptians and people they've picked up along the way. Who are like, whoa, what is going on? We want to be a part of this. Yeah. And so he says to um, his father-in-law, he kind of presents the gospel to him, like, please stay. We need your expertise. We need your eyes. We want you around. Don't go home. Stay with us. And you know what God's doing with this. Yeah. yeah. And so he says, okay, right? Mm-hmm. So he stays with them. And, uh, and then they start to head out because the cloud lifts and now it's time to do all that they practiced. So it's like, all right, the cloud's moving out. We need to go. So um, I've already forgotten the names of the, the Levite tribes. Um, Sons of Merari and <clears throat> Gershonites. Gershonites have to do their thing. Yeah. And then the Kothite, Kothites, yep. they are told, you guys go last because you're carrying the most holy things. And you follow this cloud and the ark goes out ahead of you. You follow the word of the Lord and um, and you go, and the story says they stop in three days. It's like three days away, and the cloud kind of settles down. And I just thought it was cool that the Kothites come last with the holy things because they're not going to put them down or while they set things up. They walk in, and the tabernacle's already been set up yeah, by the two other tribes. Yes. So they walk in. You directly into the Holy of Holies, drop your thing, or put them in the right place. They're still covered up, and then Aaron and Moses will come in and uncover them and maintain their holiness. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. Uh, Yeah, and then also it's like a way to protect all that stuff and everyone else because they can walk it in immediately to where it needs to go into the coverings, uncover them from the cloth stuff, and no one is like drop dead because they see it <laughs> and think about three day journey is so hard with this amount of people and but it's all been organized and it's all been prepared and the lord goes ahead of you and then moses prays yes arise yeah. O lord and let your enemies be scattered mm-hmm. and let those who hate you flee before you because you know you're now becoming vulnerable mm-hmm. the rest of the world thinks oh they're gonna settle in and live in this desert fine we don't care we don't even want that land right but as soon as they start to move it's gonna be a threat yeah, and they're spread out. And it's like, and they're going to be easy to attack with mm-hmm. that many people. Mm-hmm. And so Moses prays, scatter the enemies. It's a good thing to pray. And then when the cloud rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. So like now return and dwell among us. Like that mm-hmm. is the, de- the, the best part of this whole thing is that God is physically making himself known yeah. through Things like clouds and fire, the same way he does with the sacraments, like through bread and wine, very simple. Mm-hmm. But God makes himself known there, and that's why we still have those and gather around the means of grace and the sacraments today. But, of course, anytime you have to move, there's always going to be complaining, right? Right. And so I think it's easy for us to dismiss 
or go, what, what, what is their problem? Mm -hmm. But if you start thinking about, you're settled around a place, you're in your first year of freedom, like you've been enslaved, you're settled around a mountain, you're being provided for, you're settling down, you're making your tents, like you're establishing communities and friends and uh, paths and like jobs and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden God's like, cool, I know you guys got comfortable here, but I need you to move it because, believe it or not, there's something better ahead. Right. And so they travel, they only travel for three days, which is not that far away. Like the mountain is still clearly seen (laughs) in the distance. And so what happens is there's complaining. Right. And that's what I think. I think you got comfortable. Yeah. And you said, why am I leaving now? I'm at the bottom again. I ended up with a really great space to pitch my tent. Mm-hmm. And I kind of figured out everything. And, and now we have to move. The complaining begins, and God just kind of burns the edges. Burns the edges. I mean, he, he literally burns the edges of the camp and says, look, for those of you who are unable to trust, like my physical presence leading you through the desert, warming you at night, protecting you during mm-hmm. the day is not enough and you're going to cause people to turn away from me, then you'll just get what you can get on your own, which is death in the wilderness and the desert. And so some of them die, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of them die. And I do want to, again, like every time this happens, I think we instantly have this, probably because we're so far removed from these people. (laughs) And we are probably more like the Canaanites than we want to imagine. Yes. Uh, we want to get defensive and be like, why would God burn his people? Why would God do that? Why would God kill people? Yeah. And the example, the setup for me, refers back to the, the Leviticus chapter dealing with mold and skin disease mm-hmm. and all that stuff within the houses and within right. clothing. And if it proves to be like infectious or spreading, you cut it out and you remove it from right. the camp. And so these, the spirit of complaining and rebellion mm-hmm. is very contagious and very destructive and if and god cannot allow that to infect the camp right so you have to get rid of it and god is not going to mess around and and so he's just boom it is like um i remember in guatemala seeing like a suffering animal mm-hmm. and the the most loving thing you could have done was to put it out of its misery mm-hmm and it's kind of like the old yeller. Like, you got rabies. Yeah. And we could let it live or you got to kill old yeller. Right. And, 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 it's, it, and so it's a cancer. And is mm-hmm. cancer living? Is it spreading? Yes. And so we have to get rid of the cancer. And, um, and that actually is highlighting God's love for his people. Yeah. Like, being loving doesn't mean you allow... Like, I wouldn't allow my kids to constantly be under a horrible influence of some other kid mm-hmm. and introduce them to destructive things yeah, and be like, off. well, I, I really love those kids, and so I love those kids more mm-hmm. than my kids. No, these are my kids. This is my family. So it's actually learning to look at God from the perspective of a child in his household. Oh, my dad would protect our house. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening here. And, and there's an interesting phrase, the rabble. Yes. In chapter 11. Yes. The rabble was among the people who had strong cravings. They were craving and fantasizing about Egypt. And, and it seemed, it's a unique term within yeah. uh, the Hebrew Old Testament. And the, the connotation is actually like, seems to be the non-Israelites yeah, that were with them. the people they picked up, the mm-hmm. friends, the people who saw God's miracles and were like, ooh, we're going with this God. Yeah. 
because they, we see immediate provision right. in a barren place. And so they, that's typically what I read too, is the rabble would be the people they picked up. Yeah. And, um, and they start reminding everybody, oh, we ate melons and leeks and onions and garlic and cucumbers and it cost nothing and we ate fish and it was so good. And maybe it was for them. Maybe they weren't slaves there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. For the people not and, slaves, yeah. You know, and, and maybe they're trying to win people over. Like, hey, mm-hmm. look, you could, we could go back there. We conquered Egypt. Mm-hmm. Why did we leave all the spoil? And I think that's the other thing that's hitting me now. Is it's not just, oh, it was better there. It was, you guys, we beat them. Like, we could have just taken Egypt over. Everybody who conquers the place takes all their stuff. In fact, we're getting ready to do that in Canaan. Why don't we just go back to a place we've already seen their soldiers wash up on the shore of the Red Sea? Yeah. We've already humiliated their pharaoh. Yeah, that's we a good point. We already have a god that's overwhelmed all their gods in the plagues. Mm-hmm. Let's go back there and just take it. And mm-hmm. that's what's unreasonable for people. And the same in our own spiritual walk is, Lord, why don't I just do it the easy way? Mm-hmm. And God's like, no, because the way to life is to follow me. Yeah. And so um, here we go. They're all complaining because now that's starting to gain momentum. Like that political party of let's go back to Egypt and take what's ours. Let's go back to Egypt and take what's ours. Yeah, yeah. And they're craving for meat and to the point where they're, um, they're complaining about manna. It's yeah. so awful. And this is a really kind of intimate scene for Moses in this part. This is yes. where Moses, you know, there's a few guys in the Bible who get to the point of Almost, uh, they're so despair that it's like suicide. Yeah, it, it's super, it's actually uh, very reminiscent of Job's complaint. Job's, Moses, you got a lot, I think Elijah does it, like, yeah. I'm ready, Lord. And, uh, and uh, what's interesting, what's different, I think, about the people and Moses Yeah, is, so Moses, he's hearing all this stuff, and it's also an attack against him. And they're demanding, give us meat. And he's like, who am I? Am I God? Like, do you not understand what, how this whole situation works? But whereas the people are complaining amongst themselves and maybe to Moses, not even to Moses, it just sounds like Moses is overhearing the complaints right. that are happening among the people. They're Moses coming. turns around and complains to God himself right. and has a real conversation with God and not to someone else about God, but to God. Which is the way we ought to complain. Yeah. Complaining to other humans is uh, offensive and useless and <clears throat> unproductive, uh, but you can bring your complaint to God. Yeah. And his complaint is, did I give birth to these people? Why am I their nurse? Why am mm-hmm. I going to have to nurse them, literally? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't create them. I can't get them meat. I can't do all this. Uh, and they weep and they cry and they say, give us meat to eat. And I'm not able to. And then he finally says, I think it's in verse 15, you know, this is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, kill me at once. Mm-hmm. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. Like, I am out of my league. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way often in my own life. I'm way out of my depth here, Lord. I don't think I'm the right guy. And so if you want to just take me, you know, it doesn't, it's not, don't worry. You don't need to call anybody right now. I'm not at that <laughs> point. But, but it does, uh, your spirit is so crushed by by the constant black hole of neediness mm-hmm. from people who ought to know better, mm-hmm. who are in the shade of God or by the warmth of God, being fed by the hand of God, being um, hydrated from the rock of God, and yet 
dreaming, their cravings have overwhelmed them. So God responds in an amazing way. This is like, I, I believe this is where the Sanhedrin is first created. Yeah, so it's actually is, a, a reapplication of Jethro's advice. Yes. Which they probably set up while they were around the mountain. But now it's kind of, you know, the confusion of the three-day travel. Everyone's spread out again. Um, they're settled down again. And um, God's kind of reminding him, all right, remember the 70 guys that you had set up? Right. I'm bring them. But I'm going to do something. I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to give them the sp- my spirit that's on you. I'm going to dole that out to these 70. So this is where... So he... Again, God comes down in a cloud, hovers over them, gives them, is it a bit of his spirit? The spirit, yeah. That's on Moses. He gives to Holy the 70. Holy spirit that is on Moses. And so I do want to explain something. So in the, in the New Testament, when Jesus goes before the chief priests and the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin sees its <clears throat> roots from here, yes. from Jethro saying there's 70. But more than that, the Sanhedrin has been... Uh, traditionally now back in the book of Numbers, given the Holy Spirit to s- prophesy and speak the words of God. So they have an authority. So that's why when Jesus goes before the Sanhedrin or Paul goes before the Sanhedrin, it's like the last authority. Mm-hmm. And if you disrespect them, you're disrespecting God. And so when Jesus says, I am God, they go crazy because mm-hmm. they still are living off this event. But, but what's amazing about this event in light of Jesus is how we read it now is, oh, the plan of God was that everyone be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Even in the Old Testament, like the desire for the Holy Spirit to be made manifest and within reach for people happens. It's pretty cool. Like it wasn't ever supposed to be just for the 70 mm-hmm. elders. It's going to be, okay, have the 70 elders carry the Spirit of God, but it's going to be made available to all. Yeah, so there is like a cool scene where two of the elders were unable to make it to yeah. the meeting. and Which is encouraging to me for all those people who can't make it to church. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe it's not the worst thing. But yeah, and also you think about they're like two million. But still good. And they're like spread out. And yeah. so there's... Right. Something be, came up. I something, couldn't, yeah. Couldn't it's get kind of... Yeah, so they... So the Spirit of the Lord descends on the set uh, on the sixty-eight that are around the tabernacle right. and the two guys who are outside. And so, and when the spirit descends, it says that they started prophesying, which we don't fully know what that even entails, but they start either saying the words of the Lord or, or, uh, singing or something. Um, and the two guys outside are doing the same thing outside. And Joshua. And Joshua. Stop. Moses's little protector is like, you gotta stop him because he's thinking, Oh, they're trying to emulate you and take over yeah. your position because things are a little tense right now. Right. And Moses is like, no, this is the spirit of the Lord. I wish everyone in Israel had this gift so I didn't have to do it for them. Right. <laughs> and there is a scene in the New Testament where the disciples say, someone's trying or preaching your name yeah. and trying to heal people. And Jesus says, if they're not against us, they're for us. You yeah. Know, stop. Don't right. stop them. Don't stop them. Because, uh, but then, so in response to Moses, his like, depression, God then disperses the weight, says, you're right, I'm going to disperse my spirit so that others can bear Mm -hmm. the hardship of nurturing and caring for these uh, stubborn people. But also, so it's going to be spirit and the meat. Yeah. Also, I'm going to provide meat. So a day's journey outside of camp, there's all these quail, right? 
and there's so much quail. He's going to provide so much meat that the mm-hmm. people go out there, and it, it describes that. And then it's it, first, it's a very confusing story. Am I in the right order? Is there anything yeah. happening? No, you're too? right. He says, uh, I'm going to give them quail. But the confusion is they go out there and they're eating it, and the quail, the meat is in their teeth and in their nostrils. They're eating it so much that it turns into a little plague. Yeah, so apparently the quail, the meat of the quail is bad. But I, what I read <clears throat> was, what I thought about was he provided meat for them, but they replaced God with this meat. They were mm-hmm. like, this is the answer to our problems. And they were going to hoard it mm-hmm. and stacking it up and just eating as much as they could because they figured tomorrow we might die. It might never be yeah. here again. They're still not listening to God say, I will provide it for a month mm-hmm. until you get sick of it. They got sick of it in the first day. Yeah. Because they were like, this is our salvation. Which is interesting. To me, Yeah, because they're, they're treating it the way God told them not to treat the manna. Right. Which was, collect only what you need for today. Right. Because I'm going to be around every day, and this yeah. isn't going to be your life. This right. food isn't going to be your life. And so Life you, is going to be your life. So they went out, hoarded it, yeah. and was like, Wah! and started eating, and they, a plague broke out among them, and a lot of them died. Right. And they named this place <laughs> the most metal name in the entire yeah, Bible, which is the Graves of Gluttony. Yeah, I read that it means the graves of craving. Oh, yeah. The graves of craving or the graves of gluttony. And I'm like, man, that it's, is... It's just funny. Like, if you check the things that you just are craving, and if you go full headlong into those cravings, they'll usually end up devouring you, which is what happens here. And, and so the cycle of <clears throat> sin, like uh, rebellion, and then repentance and restoration... Uh, we're already in full swing. Like as soon as God says, let's move, mm-hmm. the cycles begin full bore. Yeah. Like we're just right into it. So we've seen complaining. Now we're seeing the food. We're seeing all, it's all breaking loose, right? And then what happens when it rains? For like someone like Moses, when it rains, it pours, right? Yeah. So not only does he have people now who are getting what they need, he has 70 elders filled with the Holy Spirit. Exciting, but confusing. Now, people are getting quail, but they're dying. <laughs> and this is where Miriam and Aaron, I, I believe, they saw the whole Holy Spirit dis- disperse among the 70. Yeah. And they start to go, oh, so why are we following Moses? I mean, he married an Ethiopian. He yeah. married a black, a beautiful black lady, most yeah. likely. And she's not one of us. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we can't trust everything Moses does. So a little bit of, I think, a little bit of racism, a little bit of confusion, and then with the Holy Spirit, a little bit of uh, self-righteousness where we can speak the words of God. Yeah, Aaron's the priest. Aaron's actually the high priest. He handles all these things. He's probably more holy than you, Moses. Right. And, um, and Miriam's a prophet. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, Moses, you're the little brother. Mm-hmm. Aaron's the oldest. Yeah. I, Miriam's older. So it's time, little bro. Mm-hmm. You've had your t- fun, but I can tell you're in over your head right now. And Moses is probably talking about, he probably, before we get the words of, dear God, help me, uh, just kill me now, he probably talked with them and trusted them. and was like, I, I, can't, I don't know what to do. Can mm-hmm. you guys do this? And then they said, well, you know what? You seem weak and silly, so we're going to take power. Yeah. And If you can't lead it, we, we will. And uh, they complain against Moses and then the Lord shows up, says, I want the three of you at the tent of meeting now. Yeah. They it, all go. And then he says, I want the two of you to step forward. The God himself says, he comes down in the, the cloud, right? Yes. Protecting their eyes from his glory mm-hmm. and his wrath and his heat. And he says, uh, this is so amazing to me. Hear my words. 
I, the Lord, make myself known to him in in a vision. I speak with him. Oh, oh okay. no, 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 no. No, I don't do that. No, so he says, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, That's I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. I, with him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And behold, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? That's what I love. The question from God is, you should all be afraid of him. Right. Because Miriam, you probably see me in visions and dreams. Right. Aaron, you see the, you, you see the similar stuff. In riddles and, and, and the way, even the way we try to figure, like, God, yeah. should I go this way or that yeah. way? And, oh, I felt this. I felt blah, blah, blah. But, but Moses, I'm speaking clearly. Right. As a man to man, as a friend, yeah. as he's seen me. And so Moses is much different. You should be like when his face was shining. You should actually have so much respect for Moses because he is in a position of mediator. Right. And he, I mean, and you know, Moses always uses his power to help. Mm-hmm. But what if Moses starts to say, "God curse these people"? Like, yeah. Or they cry out, and he goes, "Not today." Yeah. Like, you should be making sure that Moses knows you love him and appreciate him. Because you know what is probably still on the table. <laughs> What? Is God, is, it's I'll Moses start, just saying, hey, remember that whole deal that we made? Where, golden calf where situation? You, where you said that you'd kill everyone and just restart a nation from me? Yeah. Make me the new Abraham. Like, let's make a nation that's actually birthed from me. Right. Then I'd kind of care about him. So that, <laughs> that was uh, amazing. And so then as a result, um, Miriam gets leprosy instantly. Completely over her entire body. She is good as dead. Mm -hmm. Moses, again, Moses is a man who's gracious and loves these people. And he says, please, God, heal her, please. And the Lord says, okay, she has to go outside the camp for seven days and she'll be healed in those seven days and come back. And I I realized Aaron, nothing happened to Aaron in part because I think Aaron, Aaron kind of says sorry. Aaron says sorry. He instantly also he's handling all the he's holy the high stuff. priest, yeah, yeah. and I think God is like respecting the office yeah. of the priesthood, and he also confesses. Right. And the other idea is that Miriam was probably the instigator. Yeah. Man, don't mess with God's appointed. That's what I hear. Yeah. Don't mess with Jesus, and maybe don't mess with the pastors so easily. I mean, the cool thing, though, is he's still merciful to them. Yeah. He restores Miriam and, and restores order. Like, yeah. okay, here's the deal. So, okay, we made it through all the hard stuff. Now, we're only, we're still two years and two and a half years, let's say. Mm-hmm. And God is already like, we got the organization. We got, we know what we're doing. We're going to have a tabernacle. I'm going to be with you. And now it's time to keep my promise. I made 400 and something years earlier. It's time to go in. Let's, let's go pick our plots of land and do this thing. And so then they send the spies in. There's a rep from each tribe. Yep. They all go in. They check out the land. And it is just like God says. After living in the desert for two and a half years, they go into a place that's like clusters mm-hmm. of grapes and pomegranates and mm-hmm. almond trees. Like it is the fertile crescent. It is just completely amazing. And... Uh, and then it happens. 
two guys say, yeah, well, let's we, take it. Did, we didn't get that far yet. We didn't? No. Oh, I, I couldn't help myself. I no. guess I went too far. Uh, you're they, right, you're right. We just got to, they searched the land out. And it was good. And it was good. And the little footnote was, there's like giants living there, but everything else looks like, it looks great. You know, there's always giants surrounding the thing God calls us to move into. You know what I mean? Yeah. The interesting thing I was thinking about, because one of the things he says, go and see if the people are strong or if they're weak, if they're intense or in their strongholds. One of the things I was thinking, if you were going to a place, you kind of would actually want to see that the people there were flourishing. Yeah. And well established. Because you're going, oh, people historically can flourish here. So there is like the flip side where you're like, oh man, it's way more terrifying to take. But there's another side where you go, oh, people can really be established it's, here it's and live high here value. a long time. Oh, people and, want to live here. Yeah. This is like better than we could have imagined. And they're but thriving and strong and healthy yeah. and like. But how but, are we gonna get in there? But how are we gonna take it from there? Well, you have a man who speaks to the Lord mouth to mouth, mm. and you have uh, the Lord's presence, and you have His dwelling place. Amazing. Thank you, Numbers. Let's move on to today's New Testament reading. All right. Which is? Our New Testament reading is Luke chapter 3 through chapter 4, verse 13. That's right. So Luke chapter 3. Hmm. John the Baptist. John the Baptist, we've talked about in um, in our other handling, other mm-hmm. new gospel readings. And uh, I'm trying to think what was unique or different about Luke's telling of John the Baptist. I mean, the nice thing is Luke kind of gives like a... He's always kind of careful to give a historical yeah. reference for everything. So he kind of breaks out like who are the rulers of the areas. And so you get like, like okay, Herod's dead. His sons are, are have taken over. Pontius Pilate is governing Judea. Um, so you kind of get Herod that. Herod and his yeah, kids his, and his, brothers. And, yeah, so Herod, the original. Over the smaller mm-hmm. ones. And Luke does anchor us in historical reality. So yeah. like they go back and they can find the inscription mm-hmm. they know. And that's what I thought was interesting was according to Luke's, um, like Tiberius is Caesar, he became sole emperor around AD 14. And so we can we believe that John starts his ministry around AD 26. Mm-hmm. You know, so AD 27, giving um, a couple, three to four years before Jesus yeah. starts his ministry full on. Yeah, so we do, like, it is kind of cool, because I think John the Baptist is always kind of given, like, a quick summary so we think he might have been around, like, for all we know, a week. But yeah, the, the idea like, yeah. is he's, he was actually around building this ministry for a couple years at least, and, which is cool. It's, it's good to know. Yeah, and he talks, and Luke talks about how the Holy Spirit fills John in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that's not foreign. That's what's happening even in the book of Numbers. The Holy Spirit is filling people in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus goes to the wilderness. Well, yeah, that's the... That's coming up. But um, it's pretty great. He offers a repentance of baptism. Yeah. Or a baptism of repentance, I'm sorry. And 
this was a not a foreign idea to the Jewish people, but it was always for inclusion into like proselyte, which means you you're a Gentile and you want to become Jewish. Right. And so they would do baptism to kind of repent of the way they've lived and what they believed. And now they're joining, they're being washed and cleansed and making a commitment to join, join uh, Israel. And that's how it was used previously. And so John, though, is inviting Jewish people to be baptized in repentance. Mm-hmm. And so the, the offense there would be, I am already of this. I'm, I'm already of this. And, and if I want real repentance, I'm going to go to the temple. I'm not going to go to you in the wilderness right. at the dirty Jordan. Uh, the cool thing, though, it, again, the idea is Luke is writing to a, a Gentile. Right. And so he is including like um, tax collectors and soldiers um, into this narrative as people who are going up and wanting part of what John was offering. And it's, again, the idea is the offer of repentance and forgiveness is to all people. All flesh shall see the salvation Mm -hmm. of God. And then he says, he calls them a brood of vipers. Like when the Jewish leadership kind of does come out to see him, you brood of vipers, like you're snakes. And I know you say, we have Abraham as our father, and I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying, look, the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so their response is, well, what do we do? And that's, again, the tax collectors and those people are saying, what do we do? Mm -hmm. The uh, Jewish people are like, I don't know, man. You're saying our lineage doesn't matter? Yes. And Luke's going to say, well, Luke's later, like in the next chapter, yeah, of course it matters. But... Not the way you think. Like, this mm-hmm. is for all. Like, you are mm-hmm. supposed to carry this message of um, repentance. But he says, the best John can do at this point is say, I'm announcing the Christ who's coming. And so right now, in a spirit of repentance, if you're a tax collector, don't steal. Mm-hmm. If you're a soldier, don't intimidate. Don't and, abuse and the abuse. power yeah. that you're given. And so he tells them pretty much, here's how you act. But then after he says that, see, John's baptism is not, the baptism unto life like Christ. He says, well, Jesus Christ, the, the one who comes after me, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit with fire. Mm-hmm. And fire is a judgment, so it's either to eternal fire or a purifying agent. Mm-hmm. And when you're baptized by the baptism of Christ, you are receiving cleansing and you are receiving the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, it, you're receiving judgment right. and salvation. Yeah. The old man is dying, and the new man is being raised up. And the chaff will be burnt, with mm-hmm. unco- you know, and the good stuff will come, will come up. And so um, uh, he's announcing and preparing Christ's baptism. And I, feel, I do feel like sometimes it's easy to baptize in John's, mm-hmm. or in our minds think that baptism is just my commitment to do right and to follow the Lord. Right. And I'd say that's John's baptism. Christ's baptism, something very real happens. Salvation is poured out upon you. It's something, it's the work of God. Yeah. Because that's what was hitting me in reading the words of when Jesus comes and is baptized. We have the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. Yeah. And we have the words of God saying, you are my beloved son with whom... I am well pleased, or uh, today I have begotten you. 
And that's the idea that, like, it hit me. I was like, that's what's happening at our baptism. Yeah. God is... Declaring you a child. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I am well... With you I am well pleased. Right. In Christ, you are my child. So that's why I would say make the day you were baptized the day of remembering your salvation. That's the day God gave you the adoption papers and you became a legal heir. Um, Now, you may have been in love and and made commitments to him previous to your baptism, which is great, but that's just part of the... um, What do you call it when you're falling in love before you get married? Um, That's just part of the dating. Like, you're dating. Um, and so we try to remember the day we got saved and that, cause that we know that's important, but it was a decision when I was a teenager or when I was a kid and I, that's why it's much easier to go, Oh, and it's actually the reality of it is my baptism was the day that God officially signed all the paperwork and I became a real inheritor. Yeah. And you are my child with whom I'm well pleased. Pretty cool. Then we, uh, jump in Luke decides, unlike Matthew, who put this at the front of his gospel, Luke now decides to drop the lineage of Jesus, which is starting, like, it's setting the scene before Jesus' ministry Yeah, I mean, if you have John, he highlights with John how the Abraham connection is of little value Mm-hmm. without faith. Mm-hmm. And so Luke is highlighting, this is to the whole world. So whereas Matthew's genealogy goes back to Abraham, right? Luke's goes back to Adam. Adam. Like all nations, everybody. Yeah. And it, I thought it was fascinating to read uh, in light of the, the things we've done in, Le- in uh, Leviticus and mm-hmm. Numbers to see Joseph's, he did Joseph's uh, genealogy, right? Mm-hmm. And Joseph, even at the beginning of it, he says, um, was about, uh, let's see, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of (laughs) Joseph. So, like, God, we know it's God's son, Mm -hmm. but he's connected to Joseph's lineage, and Joseph goes all the way back through uh, Jesse, through... uh, Yeah, through David. David, and... uh, Through Boaz, through Judah, through... Shem, that's Noah. I thought Shem was cool, and then I thought um, Seth was cool. Yes. Like it went through the son of Seth. Right. And then through Adam for all nations. And then Adam was the son of God, which is cool. Like that's a cool little drop. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I don't know. The lineage is really cool. The starting at the age of 30, the ministry at the age of 30 is really cool. Right. um, Because that's when the priest, that was the age the priest would start his duty. That was the pre- the age like a lot of the prophets started um, their ministries was just the age of thirty. Yeah. So it's again it's kind of like consistent with like Old Testament themes. And then in chapter four, we now move into like basically wilderness. We start off with John the Baptist who's receiving the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. Now Jesus, the Holy Spirit's filled fills him, and he goes off into the wilderness. I mean, these themes of wilderness are overwhelming. Wilderness to, is where God speaks clearly to you. Where yes. things are established for you in the wilderness. Uh, okay, so there's Which some... is not good news because I want to be... <laughs> I want to know stuff and not be suffering and hungry and hot and thirsty in the wilderness and tempted. I want, I want to know all that stuff while I'm comfortable, but that's where we hear the Holy Spirit, in the wilderness. I think 
the theme always is the wilderness prepares you for the land that God's going to give you. Wow. And so if you can meet God in the wilderness in with nothing, you can begin to meet God with everything. There you go. And so this is what's happening with the Israelites is God is can you trust me with nothing with like like can you trust me in the middle of the wilderness? Cool. I, I will now lead you and train you into the ways of trusting me when you have a land. And so now Jesus is entering into the wilderness. Jesus is going to do the thing that the Israelites could not do, which yeah. is to trust God in the wilderness. And he's going to do it perfectly. And then God gives him the land. And perfectly means 40 days. Yeah. Again, 40 days, 40 days, 40 days. And so 40 days, Jesus does what Israel can't do in 40 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they finally do it in 40 years. Mm, kind of. Kind of. Um, so one of the cool things that hit me was, in light of today's Old Testament reading, yeah. was the, the, one of the, fir- the first uh, temptation that we're kind of given in, like that Satan gives him, is uh, it's always framed in if statements. Yeah, if. if you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. And... That's what usually that that's the thing that always that's the thing that the Israelites trips us up was the stomach like yeah. you're hungry it even says Jesus was hungry and so Jesus being human is hungry and so this is the temptation is what's your god your stomach mm-hmm. your craving are you going to fall into the graves of craving Jesus and Jesus very calmly answers man. it is written man shall not live by bread alone um, it is interesting because I think in other ones it says, but by every word yeah. that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. But just in this one is, man shall not live by bread alone. And again, it's he's acknowledging, I'm not controlled by my stomach. I trust God for provision. Yeah, it's so good. Like, he's going to trust the presence of God more than the desire and cravings of his stomach. Yes, love it. And then he becomes the bread of life, and we eat his body, and, and yeah, you know, when we do the Lord's Supper. The next one is, if you then, you know, if you are, uh, uh, will worship me, all this will be yours. So he takes him to the, the it, top it's, of the temple. No, says, this one is like almost as if he like transports him up and sees, and it allows him to see all the kingdoms of the world. Okay. That's what it's like. Took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So it's like some really supernatural thing is going down right now. He's like showing Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and is saying, "These are all mine. These are, all authority have, has been given to me, and I am free to give it to whoever I want." And that's it is like Aaron and uh, Miriam. It's yeah, like, or even the rabble saying, "Let's." Like, we already wiped out Egypt. Let's go take them. We have it. We have it. But worship me, worship anything but the appointed Savior, the mediator that God has set up, his only son, Jesus Christ. And he's tempting Jesus. You're not really that guy. I'll give it to you. And I always think, too, Satan is saying, look, you know the plan your father has for you, Mm -hmm. which is death. Right. I'll give it to you without death. And it would be very tempting. And Jesus drops, you shall worship the Lord your God and only serve, yeah. and him only sh- shall you serve, which is first, 
commandment. commandment. Yeah. And then the last one is uh, throw yourself down from and, the temple. From yeah. the temple, and uh, your angels will protect you. Like, like show your power. Or yeah, he starts to he starts to quote scripture. Like Satan is using scripture to kind of like. Like, fine, you keep quoting scripture, I'll quote scripture back at you. And, like, let's let's see if God really cares about you. Let's see if God is really yeah. going to do the things that he says he's going to do. And this is kind of what the people of Israel always were kind of testing. Like, God, we don't actually believe you're going to take care of us. We don't actually believe you're going to give us the land. Like, we just want to settle around the mountain. We just want to settle back in Egypt. Like, we don't want... You said you were going to give us these things, but we don't really believe you. The testing is interesting. He says, Mm -hmm. you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So I think of it like, yeah, it's your own will versus submission or Mm -hmm. um, selfishness. Like, I want this. I'm going to just do it and then see if the Lord will uh, cover me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Instead of waiting on the Lord right and so we don't put the Lord to the test yeah and then it Jesus made it Satan leaves him and then I do like the ominous statement of Luke saying he leaves him until an opportune time an opportune time so Satan's not done he's gonna wait till there's an opportune time yeah wow feel that sometimes yeah Wow. All right. So that is our New Testament reading for today. We're going to move into a reading of Psalm. Psalm 35, verse 19 through 28. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. For they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord, be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself from my vindication. For my cause, my God and my Lord, vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, our hearts desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether, who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor, who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad, and say evermore, Great is the Lord, who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. been fed by ravens go in peace and serve the lord we will talk to you next time